All right, welcome back into the home of Sooner fans, the ref. Every single day at 5. Every single day at 11 a.m. here on the Plank Show, we bring you the top five stories of the day. On Monday, we make it the top five stories from the weekend that was, and it's brought to you by Newcastle Casino. And that's specificity? The specific nature of it is OU football. So uh, here we go. It's time for the top five things we've learned. It's time for the top five stories of the day. Brought to you by Newcastle Casino. Newcastle Casino, where real gamers play. Let's go, man. Newcastle Casino, online at newcastlecasino.com. Best reels in the metro. Real gamers coming to play. Also, great rewards, opportunities from you. OTB, I love it. Every single track. Across the country, you can gamble. Wait, what am I saying? You can place your wagers on 14 table games. Check it out, NewcastleCasino.com. Now, I, before we get to big story number five. I like the way you phrased that. That was very fun. You can go gamble. <laughs> we, we, have, we have spent a lot of time during portions of this show talking about the Jeff Levy, Arp Riles situation. It hasn't really been the crux of our show because it's been fun to talk about the game and get everyone's different reaction to it. In fact, I I would say, Josh, that we've had one of our busiest days on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. It's been great. You guys have takes, and maybe a game being a little tighter kind of brings that more out in the nation. But we're about to hear from Coach Levy here in a bit, and I'll be curious to hear what he has to say. Is it okay to to leave it at that for now? Do you guys want to fight about it? Do, you want to, do we need to throw down? Do I need to have a hot take for you? No, I don't okay. think we do. I mean, we've sort of said right. we, we've sort of said what we want to say on it, and mm-hmm. now it's okay. Let's see what the next let's step see what is. is. Let's see what if if Levy's going to be apologetic or if it's just move forward and act like it didn't happen. I mean, we're about to find out. I I don't know. I liked somebody. Uh, earlier, it's like, is anyone going to ask about it? Uh, sorry, I'm working on not doing the voices. But is anyone asked about it, or is everyone just going to ignore it and be soft? <laughs> I'm like, bro, are you kidding me? You got 8,000 people begging for your clicks and your dollars right now. So somebody wants to be the person to ask it. You know they do. Yeah. It'll well, be like a feeding frenzy. It's going to be the first question asked. Well, if it's the Oklahoma way, there's always been a statement. Right, something that maybe he wants to say. I'm thinking about some of the controversies that we've had over the last you know decade. It's kind of funny. There was the Baker controversy for grabbing himself and planting the flag where he <laughs> he apologized, <laughs> had a statement beforehand. It was an apology filled season. <laughs> I miss Baker Mayfield, but yeah, got to um, got it all here for you on uh, on the ref today. I am sure. For the rest of the afternoon. And then we can react tomorrow. You got a lot of uh, text on the prep page that you'll be able to hit too, Josh, whenever I bust out of here. But let's go with uh, number five. Number five. Number five. I felt like we got our first true look at what, what I guess we can call the newest inclination of the belldozer, which is, uh, let me see. I had a really good suggestion from one of my uh, one of my buddies uh, as the name, and I'm sure many, yeah, Joel Syria, my guy Joel, the mayor 
of Washington okay? Since the belldozer has been replaced with Jackson Arnold, the jackhammer. Coin it now. So we saw the jackhammer, and it hammered home a first down once, but it struggled. So, Brent Venables, what's the future of the jackhammer in this Oklahoma Sooner offense? Yeah, it's pretty good. We got to get that first down on fourth and one, and um, he'll learn, you know, uh, timing and fits and when to bounce and when to keep it tight. And uh, but it was a good change of pace. We got, you know, there's a uh, quite a bit more in that package, and and something that. He can do a lot of stuff, and as we all know, he can spin it. And uh, so uh, we'll continue to you know, get him opportunities when it, it fits, you know, and the timing's right. You know what I would say? I, I just remembered something. Did you know the lights went out in the middle of Brent Venable's opening statement to the media? Like, literally, I asked his first question, and the lights went out, and he just kept rolling, man. <laughs> Unaffected. It was great. What a spooky uh, occasion. And let me tell you something. It was right after, I mean, literally, he said you know, the team was just unaffected by, you know, adversity. And then the lights went out, and he just went. I was like, and I wanted to ask the question of unaffected, like, by the lights going out for you too, coach. But it, by the time that he was, he had wrapped up the answer, the lights had been back on for a while. So, joke would have been old. It would have been over-explaining it. Yeah, you know, coach, remember when the, the lights went out? You remember that time the lights went out? Yeah. Like, you you overcoming that is what it would have sounded like. Your thoughts on that package, Josh? What would you think of using Jackson Arnold like that and if we'll see more of it? Well, I, I think absolutely we're going to see more of it uh, at some point. Right. Now, will we see as much of it as we saw on Saturday? Probably not. But uh, it does feel like it's the slow burn setting up for – Arnold's going to throw out of it. Yeah, no, probably I, I in the agree. Texas game. I agree. I agree. Uh, and the nine one eight points this out. Blake Bell six six two forty, JFA six one two fifteen. I have no idea why they're even trying to reinvent the Bell Dozer. Oh, I think to the point that BV is making that they feel like. They feel like there's some more things that they can do out of it. By Blake Bell's now at the 250. Tight end, man. All right. Um, big takeaway, number four. Number four. Let's talk about him. Um, Tywee Walker. What an, an incredible performance on a night when they needed it. He was their best running back by far, and he uh, – well, he absolutely showed out. Over 100 yards rushing, career high in carries and yards, and the Sooners needed every yard of it. Yeah, um, we were loading the box, making it really, really hard, and uh, it, was, it was everything. I mean, we extended drives and, you know, ran really well behind his pads, and then he had a couple of really good long tough runs there uh, in the second half that, uh, that really um, got us going offensively. So... Runs tough and he's hard to tackle, and uh, you know they can have everything just right. But he he can really he's got great power and agility, and he can bounce it too, you know, as well as you saw. We still don't know where Gavin and Javante are. Gavin saw Chuck and Javante Barnes, Javante Barnes, health wise. You know, Marcus Major had some moments, uh, and. 
I think as the season progresses, maybe you see more Smothers and Hicks. I don't know. But as it looks right now, Josh, RB1 on Saturday night, no question, was Tawi Walker. Oh, yeah. I mean, he got the lion's share of the carries, carried it 21 times, and deserved to keep getting carries the way he was running the football. Um, Number three. Number three. These are five big takeaways from Saturday night in Oklahoma's win over SMU. Number three, I, I, I don't know how much more you can say about Danny Stutzman, right, just how impressive he is. But, Josh, as you pull back, the defense as a whole, it just seems very in tune with each other. It just seems as if – now, there's going to be mistakes. I, Coach Stoops said it when he was on with us in the first quarter. Not always going to be perfect. Teams are going to hit you on things. And nothing was more frustrating than the two-point conversion when was that Woody that had his back turned? That was pretty enraging. But I I thought they were really good defensively. And I think they have been through the start of the season. It's been it's been fun to see those guys go out and make a difference. Penalties hurt. I, I didn't do the the deep dive, maybe someone has, of the total number of penalties that were called on Saturday night. How many of those were offensive penalties and how many of them were defensive penalties? It just seemed as if, and I know this is such an excusinator 5,000 thing to say, but, Josh, it just seemed like every single one of those defensive penalties couldn't have come at a worse time for Oklahoma. Um, you know, nine, Drive extenders. Yeah, nine penalties for 88 yards whenever SMU only committed two penalties for 15 yards the entire game. I mean, that's Stutzman at 17. Kip Lewis had nine tackles. I thought Key Lawrence was really good. Uh, You know, you had Gentry Williams get dinged up, and he tried to come back in the game and got dinged up again. So you saw a little bit more of Kenai Walker. Justin Harrington got dinged up. So, you know, that I I guess the term is cross-training, where you learn a bunch of different positions. But that really, I thought, stepped up and bowed up. For the Sooners, Harrington goes down. I think that they ended up putting Reggie Pearson in that spot for a while, and you saw some Robert Spears Jennings out there. Um, you know, it it was it was really it was really good to see the D play the way that they. Jacob Lacey had two stops. He had a was credited with half a tackle for loss. Still, when we go back, and I brought up how excited I was about Jacob Lacey and. About 10 to 12 of you started yelling at me on the text line that, oh, he's not going to play. I'm still holding on to that one, Josh. Yeah, that's still holding on to that one. Rent free, as the kids say. Take that. But I just felt like as a whole it looked very smooth. Now, I got a cut from Venables on 2-0 that will play number one, but you can nitpick, right? You didn't have a massive number of sacks. I don't even know. You ended up with just the, the one sack again. But it's not as if, you know, Preston Stone had a day off from recovery. It's not like his jersey wasn't dirty or that uh, it was a clean pocket for him. I thought the Sooners did a great job of making him very uncomfortable and chasing him nonstop. A couple opportunities just uh, didn't get him down. But, yeah, there was some pressure, and uh, it forced him incompletions. Um, All right, I, I got time for number two. Number two. 
concern level over Savion Bird and the interior of the offensive line. I think it was the, the second series, maybe the third, Savion Bird was replaced, and I don't think he came back in the game. Yeah, he gave up a bad sack. Yeah. Yeah, not good. Where, uh, you know, if you go back and watch that sack that he gave up that I forget which drive it was that ended it, it, uh, I mean, it kind of looked like a lack of an effort sort right. of play. Yeah. So, uh, not good. Which is which is out of character for him. Oh, yeah. Because everyone pulled after play 13. Gabe says didn't come back until play 61. Ooh. Not good. Thanks, Gabe. That is significant. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So do we, you know, it was weird. I We struggled with some of the camp reports, right, in trying to come to an understanding of what was not necessarily real, but what was factual, what might have been some coach speak, and what was wishful thinking. And, you know, you heard, hey, across the line, one through five, they feel very happy. They feel very confident. Once they get in the depth of that interior of the offensive line, there's concerns. But yeah, Teddy would tell us in practices that D-line was, was whipping him, and they were they were winning every third and short. It's, I don't know, Josh. I don't know what kind of alarm bells it sounds, if any. And I don't know how that tape graded out for Bill Beanbow. But I would assume that there is going to be some harsh conversations that are had this week about making sure that you're doing your job. Because I felt like, you know, the tackle position, they're really good. They're really good with Rouse and, and Guyton. Save for some untimely penalties. Um, oh, my gosh, that holding call. Which I don't False think start. Ugh, that holding call is terrible. But, yeah, I, um, I don't know. It's um, Maybe it's a concern. Now, here's the other part of it, too, and I'll be curious to dig on this today. How much of some of the decisions that Dylan made to either find a guy in the flat or take off and go, I mean, was there a true good pocket there and he panicked a bit or did he have to go? I think those are things that you have to ask yourself as well. But there's some work to do on the interior of that offensive line. No doubt. No doubt. Which gets us to number one. Number one. Number one. Number one. Well, 2-0, and right? Sooners were here last year. And unfortunately, we we know how that ended. So, 2-0 and in 2023, as opposed to 2-0, or 2022, as opposed to 2-0 in 2023, What's what's different? You know, when you look at this from a coach's perspective, what's different? Well, again, I just we're a little more precise, um, you know, a little stronger in the second half and certainly the fourth quarter physically uh, fresher and stronger and more sure of themselves. And uh, we got good chemistry on this team. And uh, but uh, I think a little more confidence in what we do on both sides of the ball uh, schematically. Uh, which leads to a little more precision, you know, and it can be better, you know, as well. It can still be better. What's the uh, what's the T-shirt? It ain't good enough? I don't know. The question for tomorrow's show, if you all want to sleep on it, is a very simple one. 
where is this team better? How sold are you that they're improved? Same spot. 2-0 this year, 2-0 last year. And for me, it's, it's a question I'm going to ask both the coaches we talked to today. Um, Brent was asked about a post-game. Lebs was asked about a post-game. Ted Roof was asked about a post-game. And I'm sure they'll be asked about it again today. But, I mean, is it a matter of playing two not very good teams and surviving? Or is it a matter of a team that is improving? I mean, I thought the most telling thing that Brent Venable said was in his opening statement where he basically, I don't know if we win this game last year. You know, I, I don't know if this is a game that Oklahoma comes out and wins last year with the way things had gone. So, I mean, at what point, Josh, do we turn and say, oh, yeah, they're better or we're in a, we're in a good spot? Because – I feel like when you say it now, there's some that are quick to question the opponents. I feel like if you say it now, then maybe you find yourself in a bit of a prisoner-of-the-moment trap, and you add to it that your arch-rival just beat Alabama, and that's the level that everyone expects you to be at. So, I don't know. I feel like I'm twisting myself in knots trying to figure out what the actual answer is to that question. It's a great question, and – Cincinnati doing what they did to Pittsburgh and winning, mm-hmm. starting off the way they did, makes it to where, okay, get through this next week, go take care of business at Tulsa and beat them handily, and then go on the road and win at Cincinnati. And, okay, we could start having a conversation that That's this right. team has improved. That's right. There you go. Top five things that stood out from Saturday. What about you? 405-651-3439. All right. Um, That'll do it from OU today, Josh Helmer. Is there anything that we left out on the program today? Did you hear about Art Bryles being down on the field on Saturday Stop night? Stop it. Well, <laughs> Stop it. I'm kidding. We go back to podcast. Listen to the first hour of the show. But great stuff uh, on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. We'll hit them all coming up in just a bit. Uh, final thoughts with our friends over at Primrose Funeral Home. And as always, keep it coming on Twitter.com at... At Josh on Ref, Ahmed Plank Show, and everybody should follow us at KREF Sports. This is the home of Sooner fans. Hour number three. Welcome back, everyone. Josh Elmer welcoming in one Connor Pasby. That means that uh, obviously Plank has shuffled off to Coach's Corner. Connor, my friend, good morning. How was the weekend? Good morning, Josh. It was great, man, sitting back and watching a great football slate on Saturday. So that was pretty awesome. Yeah, it was, uh, well, with what uh, Texas did to Alabama and Oklahoma's game, uh, getting a little nervy. It was an interesting week of football, and that's, uh, of course, just the tip of the iceberg. The uh, third hour here of the Plank Show, as always, presented by Moppin Roofing and Construction. They've got you covered, Oklahoma. Call Bob Moppin and his team at 405-703-3843. Moppin Roofing is a full-service company, family-owned and operated, with over 35 years of experience insurance specialists that can help with fire and flood remediation work for fully insured, licensed, and bonded Mop and Roofing. Again, number to call for Mop and Roofing, 405-703-3843. Somebody out of the 817 just asked, will the ref be airing the roof and levy pressers live at 1130? We can't. So uh, we can't air them live. And I don't want to speak for Steelman and Thune at noon, but uh, I would imagine – 
if not immediately, and I don't want to speak for the guys in the afternoon, but I, I would imagine you're, you're going to hear a lot from each of those two as the uh, day rolls on, as soon as their press conferences conclude. Can't air them live, but uh, is my understanding. But uh, as soon as we can share that audio with you later, I'm sure that uh, we will. So here's the play sheet for the rest of the show here, okay? I'm just just going to share the play sheet with you. What did you like? What did you dislike from Oklahoma's 28-11 win over SMU? Stock up, stock down, however you want to phrase it, right? Likes, dislikes, positives, negatives. What, uh, what stuck out from the win that was from Oklahoma? And let's just start here. Chris Plank teased it before he left. But the first response of Brent Vittables in the press conference was, basically, I, I don't know if we would have won this game a year ago. And anyways, here's a whole sequencing of events. Uh, Vittables setting up Plank and the, the opening uh, question in the press conference the other night after OU topped SMU 28-11. to All right. What you got, Chris? Well, first of all, Coach, congratulations on the win. Can you, can you kind of take us through what it says about this team and how you feel about their overall performance? The way they responded to the late adversity and SMU making it a tight game. But yeah, no, I love the you know the game is is hard to win. Uh, I know that's not like a maybe that's a popular thing to say, and it sounds cliches, but it is. The other team, you know, was uh, they they did a great job. I you know first I would just say congratulations to SMU. I know they're disappointed in, in losing, but good hard fought game. You know where. Uh, there's nothing easy about winning and being successful or again just playing and competing and coaching in the game uh, but I love that about I love that uh, about our team you know the fight and the courage and uh, the belief and the never flinch uh, attitude that they had um, thought that was that's what you want to see you know uh, a year ago, I'm not sure if we would have figured out, you know, a way to win that game. And, uh, you know, I think there's, you know, there's a, there's a silver lining in, in knowing that at any point in time there, we had some moments there in the third quarter and the fourth quarter both where we had a real chance to you know, slam the door. We didn't, but there's a great opportunity to learn um, whether self-inflicted uh, penalties, you know, got to clean up some technique or some pre-snap alignment, some positioning. I thought SMU made some really good competitive plays, and and then again we we had some opportunities there, a fourth and one, and uh, we're supposed to be in cover two, and they ran the little fullback in the flat, and we have nobody there, and he they threw it over our head there, and they converted that fourth one fourth down to extend a drive, and and uh, but. Uh, it's a split safety concept, and one side's doing one thing, one side's doing the other, and the guy didn't know what he was doing on his side. <laughs> so just stuff like that that, um, to me, they're correctable, fixable. And uh, But, man, I, I love the um, the attitude of the guys. And halftime was, again, you know, really businesslike, and that's all part of the growth and the development of your team. And... Uh, and again, offensively, in the second half, there, you know, they had they came out and uh, we had nine plays, and and again had some opportunities to extend that drive. We 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 punted, and then uh, we turned it over on downs. The next drive, had an eleven play drive, and and, uh, and we got to be a little more efficient there and and get that first down. And just 
you know, whatever it is. It, and uh, so they get the ball. And But we turn around, you know, we had five drives on defense in the second half, forced a punt, three and out right out the gate, you know, and, and get into a rhythm. Then we forced a fumble, and uh, we had the long touchdown drive, and I, I took a penalty on that one that gave him first and goal as well. Can't happen. And then uh, – and then turned it over on downs the next drive. So we responded after a long touchdown drive, come back and go four four plays for five yards. And and then we had an interception there at the end. And an offense, after turning it over on downs, they come back and go 10 play, 75 touchdown. And, and, uh, and then had a nice, again, after the interception or the turnover and downs, rather, they uh, punched it in in three plays. So uh, for another touchdown to seal it. So a lot to really... Um, you know, uh, get better at, no no doubt about it. But uh, there was a lot to really um, be uh, thankful and proud of our guys uh, for finding a way to win. We had several guys, you know, uh, you know, dudes had their first touchdown receptions. And so that was great to see Marcus Major and uh, Jalil and uh, Andrell. Uh, fantastic job offensively. You know, we're 50% on third and fourth downs. Uh, and again, defensively uh, held them to six out of 20 on third and fourth down. So great job efficiency wise uh, there. And, and there's so many more opportunities to be even uh, better. And uh, so there's Brent Venables, uh, a lot there from his opening statement. Forgot the opening statement was going to be four and a half minutes long or five, but uh, Brent Venables sharing a lot of thoughts on the game. And let, let's just start here. Off the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, that's 405-651-3439. This is good from the 405. Uh, Josh and Connor, all last week we were talking about how excited we'd be if uh, we could hold SMU under 17 points. The defense is really coming together, especially against a tough opponent. Yeah, I mean, they are coming together. That's a good SMU offense that you face Saturday and to keep them under 17 is really good. The defense was, uh, to me, Josh, was just swarming around the football. You had guys make plays. Uh, Danny Stutzman, what, 17 tackles on Saturday night. That's really good. You had some young players come in. Kip Lewis did some nice things. I really saw a young player that came in. Peyton Bowen, of course, had the punt block. He did some good things on defense, too. In coverage yeah. was really pretty good there. The turnover on downs play. I thought the DPI on him was uh, – Again, and I said it earlier, both Canick and Bowen's defensive pass interferences, I don't know that you always get those flagged in every situation. And SEC crew, a lot of times some of those some of those don't get flagged. So I thought positives there as well for uh, for Oklahoma. Well, and you're just not seeing any missed tackles to what we saw last year. I know we still got plenty of game left so far this season, but no no missed tackles whatsoever against SMU. We've got uh, a bunch more of uh, your thoughts on the text line, what you liked, what you disliked from the win that was, and uh, why you should be happy. Let, let's share that with you next. It's the Plank Show, hour number three, again presented by Mop and Roofing. And don't forget, everybody, uh, the ref coming to T-Town. It is Tulsa Day right around the corner and uh, Oklahoma versus Tulsa will be out there. So listen to the the schedule looks like this. 
1030 to 1130, Toby and Ted pregame for us. This is game day. Pregame, Toby and Ted will be live from the booth. Then 1130 to 130, Tyler and Travis from Chicken and the Wolf. Steely will be right here in studio. And postgame, two hours after the game, uh, for, for two hours after the game, Tyler and Travis from Chicken and the Wolf. So we're out and about. Come out and see us. Uh, Chicken and the Wolf turns up the heat for the toughest of taste buds, unapologetically serving Tulsa's hottest chicken. Let's take a T.O., come back, and uh, why you should be excited for this win for Oklahoma. Josh and Connor rolling along. It's the Plank Show. Back with you right after this. A couple more segments with us. It is the Plank Show. Josh Elmer alongside Connor Pasby. Welcome back, everybody. Hope you had a great weekend. Hope you're having a nice start to your week and a nice Monday morning as we roll Monday into the afternoon. We're getting a lot of questions about it. So just so everyone is on the same page and aware, no, the assistant the assistant coach press conferences are different from the Brent Venables press conference. That comes across Learfield, and we have the rights and access to air that live. We We don't with the assistant coach press conferences. So that's that's what's going on with that. I uh, I will provide this update for you, though. Jeff Levy is meeting with the media as we speak. He started his presser, this is from Parker Thune, started his presser by acknowledging that Art Briles' presence Saturday caused a quote-unquote distraction. Quote, I do apologize for that. That was not the intent at all. The intent was just to celebrate with my family. He adds, this is something that will not come up again. End quote. And then uh, apparently follow-up questions from George Stoya and Eric Bailey about uh, the Art Bryles situation uh, were declined to be answered by Jeff Levy, reiterating that uh, he said all he's going to say about it. Quote, we're going, we're going to talk about Tulsa or SMU. I'm not going to comment anymore on it. End quote. So there you go. That's, uh, that's the update from the press conference. It's hard, it's hard to move on from that, Josh, what all happened Saturday after the game, and you know he's going to get asked questions about that. There's no surprise that was a few the first two questions that came up so far in this press conference today. And from that, basically, uh, I take it from I take it from Lebby's comments that Bryles won't be uh, down on the field celebrating with family again going forward. Which that's last, yeah, it's probably the last time that's going to happen. Categorize that in the uh, realm of not surprising. At all. And so, is that enough? I mean, do we move on now? Probably for a lot of folks, that's not going to be enough from Jeff Levy. That, yeah, that stuff just doesn't fly, especially when you have him on the field, especially wearing OU gear, Josh, after the game. But that is what it is right now. And so, Jeff Levy, Oklahoma, trying to, trying to move on. And uh, Jimmy from BA says, good update, and that is all Levy needs to say about it. And I'm sure others will agree, and there'll be a bunch of folks that that feel differently about it. But uh, there you go. The positives and negatives from uh, from this Oklahoma win over SMU, twenty-eight to eleven, the final tally. And uh, I think I said this earlier with Plank, but maybe didn't expound upon it. Didn't didn't deep dive it. I thought this was a great win for Oklahoma in the sense that I just think they needed to win a game like that, where defensively, obviously, it was a great performance. Danny Stutzman is the national defensive player of the week. He was incredible. He was all over the place. There's so many different names you could point to defensively and feel good about what they did. I thought Kenai Walker, uh, 
push to play with the Gentry Williams injury did some really nice things. Uh, Peyton Bowen, we talked about Peyton Bowen a moment ago. Canick, I thought, uh, had a really good game as well. And that's just scratching the surface of defensive players that played well. And for me, obviously you look at this win, you say, okay, the defense went and won the football game for Oklahoma, right, with what they did. And yet a team, Connor, that flat out was not good at winning close football games a season ago and when pressed into a situation where it was teeter-totter, result can waffle, Oklahoma lost last season. So to me, I just look at this game pretty simplistically through the lens of Oklahoma, it got tight late, and they found a way both offensively and defensively to go make winning plays. Yeah, and Venables is right. They probably don't win a game like that last season, especially a low-scoring 14-3 game going into the fourth quarter. But the defense stepped up and made plays when the offense struggled throughout the game. When the offense got stagnant, the defense had their back, and they just kept making plays and kept getting the ball back to the offense. So that's what, that's what I liked uh, from Saturday. Any other big-time takeaways or positives for you? You know, offensively, again, in – a contest where it, uh, of course, was uneven after, you know, nice scoring start on, what, the, the second drive there. You made plays late offensively when you had to. Press to go win the football game. And, and some self-inflicted adversity where Guyton takes away a touchdown from you and, what, Rouse has the false start as well. You had the major touchdown, and then you didn't, and then you went, and Jalil Farouk's play was individually just an incredible play. Awesome to see that. Since he was quiet in week one, to see him uh, make a play and a touchdown for OU. Yeah, that was uh, that was good to see. I- important and no small thing that Jalil Farouk went and made that play because he yeah. kind of at that point through basically two games sort of look around at, hey, where's Jalil Farouk going to show up? And uh, sure enough, in a big-time way, he did. And that was what his yeah, second catch of the season is a touchdown. I think he had one, correct, in the Arkansas State game. From the uh, Texan, we had a bunch of great responses from you guys out there. When was the last National Defensive Player of the Week you had? I will uh, dive through the post-game notes. And, and, well, actually, I guess it probably wouldn't be in there. It would probably be in the release from uh, him being named as an actual defensive player. Let maybe, me dive maybe on that. Kenneth Murray. If I had to think, maybe Kenneth Murray had one when he had the Army what, game? 20 plus tackles in the Army game. Yeah, he had a ton of tackles in that game. Let's see if I can find that out for you. Bottom line is, it was an incredible performance from Danny Stutzman. And he's, look, we said if this defense improved, which right now we can only go off what we can go off of, right? Defense appears to be improved for Oklahoma. And if that was going to be the case, and it coincided with Danny Stutzman's great play, he's going to be up for a bunch of national awards. And lo and behold, here he's got his uh, first one as the Walter Camp National Defensive Player of the Week. He is playing at a level, Connor, to where, yes, he is going to be on that Butkus shortlist if this continues. Yeah, and he had a good season last year. He did make some mistakes. I just think he's such a smart, smarter football player this year. Saw him make a tackle uh, on a screen pass in the – 
backfield read it perfectly. So I think he's your he's your veteran guy on the defensive side, and that's your leader right there, just constantly making plays for you. So we, t- you want to squeeze a phone call in here before we take yes, a dude, final break? JL, JL. Okay, let's uh, let's head to the Riverwind Casino jackpot line four zero five three two nine nine thousand. JL, good morning. Morning, sir. Uh, just wanted to say that uh, this particular program, where it's at now, looks very much like the new Nebraska. You can't you can't really fathom going into the SEC with this level of talent is, is, is almost suicidal. For Oklahoma? Yes. I mean, it, there's, just, there's just nothing there as far as going into that type of league, the, SEC, the, the best in the country, top to bottom. The, uh, the SEC that uh, got smacked by Texas over the weekend? Well, I'm, I'm, again, I'm saying top to bottom. It's, it's just, it's just they'll never be in the top tier of the SEC. Well, we'll, we'll find out, JL. I appreciate the phone call. Have a nice morning. But, uh, you know, time's going to tell on that front. That's, I mean, we're dealing in hypotheticals. Oklahoma's never going to be this. Oklahoma's never going to be that. I fully suspect that Oklahoma's going to win SEC championships and national championships going forward with Brent Venables. And I would take it a step further with the Texas result and tell you that while I'm not in the business of celebrating Texas victories in any sequence or circumstance – it can be a big-time positive for Oklahoma if they turn around and beat that Texas team here in a, a few short weeks at the Cotton Bowl. It can uh, it could be a great thing for Oklahoma. Again, generally speaking, it's not good for OU for Texas to go out and win big football games on the road at Alabama, but OU now has a chance to totally shift that type of narrative right there from, so, oh, they're not going to win in the SEC. Okay, well, that's a, a Texas team that just snapped a 21-game win streak for Alabama, and if Oklahoma turns around and goes and beats that Texas team, then uh, Kirk Herbstreet and anybody that wants to get out there on any sort of forum and talk about Oklahoma's not SEC ready, okay, well, you can go ahead and uh, change that narrative right quick. Oklahoma's now got that opportunity based in part on uh, what Texas did to Alabama. Now, you got to go win the game. Yeah, and it could, could potentially be a top 15 matchup, Josh. And Texas could – dude, they could be ranked three or four coming into that game. And you know OU's going to be an underdog, and we're going to gear up, and it's going to be a fun one. If there's one thing that can unite the Sooner fan base, it is somebody calling in on that phone line and just spouting incompetence. The text yeah, line I'm is just, fired up. I'm just guessing around 15 texts already <laughs> just right after that call. Oh, that's great. Uh, JL hit the sauce a little too early this morning. The caller is drunk. JL clearly has not been in tune to what talent we have and what has happened with the talent. Sit down, sir. Yeah, Oklahoma's recruiting better than it's ever recruited. Yeah, that's the thing. And it's going to keep getting better on the recruiting trail. Oh, man. What a... What a great phone call, right, uh, to in the show here. We did, did not expect that. I did not expect that coming in. Well, it was uh, a little bit out of left field. Uh, do a final timeout. It's the Plague Show. Josh and Connor, one final time next, right after this. A couple minutes before we hand it off to Mike Steely, Steelman and Thune at noon. Josh Elmer alongside Connor Pasby. We're back with you. We call this the Plank Show. And as always, hour number three brought to us by mopping roofing couple of text uh, on the way out the door that is the knippelmeyer chevrolet text line 405-651-3439 
Jeff in DFW. I don't think we're beating Texas this year with the offense we saw this weekend. We have to be more aggressive. We'll wait and find out because that offense for Texas did look good. And for once, Ewers, I thought, was very efficient on Saturday night. Well, we're going to find out. I mean, maybe Oklahoma's better defensively than Alabama, which has uh, been a long time since you could say that. And uh, maybe Oklahoma's better offensively than Alabama. What uh, It was a it was an impressive, impressive win for Texas. Where we sit right now, you went and you snapped a 21-game win streak of before Georgia, the the evil empire in college football of the last however many years. So you can't take anything away from Texas's performance. Quinn Ewers, I was I was waiting for him to deliver in a spot like that, and he did. And the weapons were impressive. But I, you know, yeah, is Alabama Alabama? I think that's a fair question to ask coming out of the thing. They clearly are not as good as what they've been at quarterback. No, it, it felt like that first half Texas had a lead, but you could feel like, okay, Bama's going to close this out in the second half. They're going to run away with this, but that just wasn't the case. Texas they just kept answering after Bama was score. Granted, Sooner, really enjoyed watching our defense. Didn't like the way we used Jackson Arnold. However, I just don't think Levy's going to show much until Texas dialed it up in the fourth quarter when he had to. That's true. F- found a way, right? A couple of final drives he needed to. Found a way. Well, let's hope the offense gets better. To me, Josh, it was just too much side-to-side, it felt like, Saturday night. Nothing down the field to what we saw against Arkansas State. Yeah, they need to probably include uh, a little bit more of that. But uh, to me, a little bit too much in the design quarterback run game or read option game for Dylan Gabriel. We can dive into this tomorrow. Nick Anderson, Jaden Gibson, folks are asking the question, uh, where did they go? Well... We can talk about it with Mr. Plank when he returns tomorrow. That's it for me. Connor, have a good day, my friend. And uh, still in Anthoon at noon next right here. Don't go anywhere. It's the wrap.